You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. And of course, every letter in the Jewish alphabet also has a number that correlates to it. And so the word that is spelled by uh, this year's uh, numbers, 5780, means to widen your mouth as to breathe. Widen your mouth as to breathe. Isn't it amazing this year they want to put masks on us to keep us from Breathing openly. Mm, isn't, isn't it amazing the things that God does? It also means to open your, your mouth wide and to breathe in wisdom. To breathe in the wisdom of God. Or if you don't breathe in wisdom, it means to zip your mouth or to cover your mouth. Now, is that not amazing what God is doing in the natural? First the natural, then the supernatural, right? And isn't that amazing that uh, the year 2020, we all thought because of, of 2020, we were all talking about vision and all of these things. But what God was saying, this is the year to breathe. This is the year to breathe wisdom and to not be muzzled. This is the year to breathe in wisdom. But if you can't get wisdom, then cover your mouth. If you can't get the wisdom of God, cover your mouth. Mm, I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. I don't think I've ever lived in a year that was more perplexing than 2020. But this is the year for us as the body of Christ to breathe in the wisdom of God, to begin to... You not not just know wisdom, not just have wisdom, but wisdom is such a part of you that you breathe it in. Everything you do is about the wisdom of God. How many understand that we're going to have to breathe wisdom to understand how to navigate the world that lays before us today? How many feel like your America is not the same America you grew up in? Now, us older folk, we really say that because we have seen so many changes in our lifetime. My great-grandmother, who isn't that far removed from from my life, came to Missouri in a covered wagon. By the time she was in her, let me get this straight, by the time she was in her 50s, she was flying cross-country in a jet. This is how rapidly technology has been advancing, and today it's even more so. Now, I didn't grow up devoid of airplanes. That was already a thing, right? But I've seen in my lifetime so many changes. How many remember the telephone cord and the wall that, the phone that hung on the wall? And I don't know how it was, but my folks were cheap, and they always had this short cord. You, you couldn't get away. 
Sorry, my folks are probably watching right now. <laughs> They're on. I'm picking. I'm just picking. But we always had the short cord, so you couldn't go very far to talk. If I wanted to talk to my girlfriend, I had to step out into the next room. And, and the way ours was, our phone was right by a doorway. I just stepped into the next room. Wasn't like they couldn't hear what I was saying. <laughs> but you, you, you had the little short cord, and, and, and phones were rotary, and you, you hand a, one of these young folks a rotary phone today, they wouldn't know how to dial a number. They wouldn't know how to make it work. And there's been so much change in our life, so many things rapidly advancing. This year has been the most perplexing because I've never seen fear. Oh, I, I'm going to get in trouble, but I've never seen the spirit of fear capture not only our nation, but the world at large so quickly. In a matter of a week and a half, fear had shut down the nations of the world. It turned out there wasn't as much to fear as was originally said. And I'm not saying there was no validity to it. I'm just saying it wasn't quite what was handed to us. I won't get into a lot of opinion. I'm not here for conjecture. I'm not here for all of that. I'm just here to say, factually, it wasn't quite as severe as what we were told. Although we've been told it will return, and there are those who've said that it will be worse. We could get into all kinds of conspiracy theories and all of that. I'm avoiding all of that today because... What I want us to understand is this is the year to breathe in wisdom. We've got to dispel the fear and grab for the wisdom of God. We've got to understand that the world wants to, and when I say the world, we all know I mean the enemy of the church, wants to silence the church wants to squelch our voice. In fact, even right now, as some of you know, there is a, a mandate in the state of California that churches can congregate, but you can't sing. You, you can come to church, but you can't sing. You're not really supposed to really pray out loud because that's chanting. Oh, my. We've done broke the law in 10 directions today. <laughs> but listen to me. Listen. The, it's, it's not people, although people are used. It's not people we're fighting. It's a spirit. And we can stand in the streets and protest and fight and scream and holler to our... our and, and there are moments when physically you've got to make a presence. Don't misunderstand me. But the greater battle is on our knees. The greater battle is when we're on our face crying unto God. The greater battle, the greater victory comes when we find ourselves postured in the presence of God. Because there we have authority over the principalities and the powers of wickedness that hang in the atmosphere around us. And I, I, I pray today that we will take to heart the year 2020 or 5780 
is the year to garner the wisdom of God, not to get caught up in all of the political mumbo-jumbo, not to get caught up in all of the rhetoric of the news media, but to find the Word of God and get stabilized in the things that God would have for us to get stabilized in His Word. Who could say amen to that? If you have your Bible, turn with me to Acts, the 16th chapter. And while you're turning, I want to welcome those who are watching online. God bless you. So glad that you are here today with us. Glad that you could be with us today. I got to get rid of things here on my phone. Uh, also, for all of you who are watching us through the WOTG network, both the radio network and the television network, God bless you. We're so glad that you could come and be a part of the Passion Church service today. We welcome you, and anytime you make it to the, to the Cameron area, the northwest part of Missouri, look us up. We're at 1119 Bryan Road. We'd love to have you come and worship with us. Amen? Amen. Acts, the 16th chapter. I'm going to read one of the most familiar portions of Scripture. I've preached out of this many, many times, but I'm going to come at it with a little bit different direction today if I can. Uh, <clears throat> Let's start with uh, let's 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 start with verse sixteen. I'm reading out of the Holman Bible, and so uh, this is modern English. I was going to read out of the King James, uh, but I decided to, to try this today. So bear with me. Once, as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit of prediction. She was a fortune teller. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune telling, and as she followed Paul and us, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the slaves of the Most High God. And as she did this for many days, Paul was greatly aggravated, and turning to the person, the spirit, Turning to the Spirit said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out after a great struggle, many days, a lot of screaming. Yeah, and this, it says, and, and it came out right away. We got to remember the devil doesn't have the power. He wants us to think he has because we have the authority of Christ Jesus. But. Let me just say this. Don't just run out screaming Jesus' name. That won't do you any good unless you've spent time with Jesus. You've got to spend time with the Master to understand who you are, what you are, and what you possess and have the ability by faith to tell that thing it's got to go. Verse 19, And when her owners saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities bringing them before the chief magistrates. They said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. How many times you ever preached the gospel and it upset somebody? Anytime you stir up a devil, just get ready. There's a battle coming if you're preaching the gospel. Can you say amen to that? These men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us, us Romans to adopt or practice. And the mob joined in. How many understand it doesn't take much to get a mob riled up? 
It doesn't take much to get turn a protest into a riot. It only takes a couple of voices that will rise above the rest and say derogatory things that can cause the crowd to side. Mm, I'm going somewhere. I don't even know where I'm going, but I'm going there. The mob joined them in the attack against them, and the chief magistrate stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they had afflicted many blows on them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to keep them securely guarded. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. Verse 25. Oh, this is where this gets good. But about midnight, mm, something about midnight. It's both the darkest hour of the night, but it's also 1201, the dawning of a new day. Mm, Come on now. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Mm. Now, I love the tenacity of Paul and Silas. They were minding their own business, preaching the gospel. They weren't breaking any laws. They were sharing their faith. When a demon wouldn't leave them alone, so they dealt with it. When they dealt with it, those who profited from the darkness of that demon stirred up a mob mentality against them and got them punished and thrown into prison. Now here they are, beaten, chained. And most of us would be going, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Whoa, 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 whoa. Or we'd be singing, gloom, despair. That's for the country folk. And agony on me. Deep, dark depression. Oh, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair. Agony on me. That's what we would be singing if it was us. But I love Paul and Silas. They were singing to God. They were magnifying God. They were unrighteously arrested and placed in this place. And here they are in the midnight hour, beaten and bruised. I don't know if you know what caning looks like, but it is a horrible beating, and it bruises to the bone, and it causes oftentimes the skin at the surface to split open and to reveal the muscle. It is, not, it is not a pleasant thing to be caned. It is not a pleasant thing to be beaten with rods. And these men are lacerated from head to toe, and their, their stocks now, their, their, their hands are chained, their, their feet are chained, and they're chained to a wall, and they're in the center of the prison, in the dankest part of the prison, and here they are in the midnight hour, and they're singing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen, amen, amen. Everybody said, Amen, amen, amen. 
Amen. That sounds good. You all could get, get a choir together. Amen. Let me hear you. Amen. Sing it home. Amen. 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 They're singing. They're praising God. They're singing songs like the one we sang up here today. Well, if he wasn't afraid of his scars, then we aren't afraid to show ours because we know the light will shine through the cracks even in our broken vessels. God will shine. Suddenly, oh, come on. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I love the way God gets the attention of the world around us. The prisoners are listening to them, and suddenly, how many knows God always moves in a suddenly? Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains came loose. Mm, that'll preach right there. I could run up down these aisles, run out in the hallway, round the building and back. Mm. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself. Because you see, it would have been a lot easier for him to just commit Harry Carey than to fall into the hands of the Romans. Come on now. And here he is. And since he thought the prisoners had escaped, but Paul called out, with a loud voice saying, don't harm yourself because all of us are here. Now think about it. Their chains have fallen off. Most people in a prison would find a way to make a prison break if all the doors were open and your chains fell off. But when the power of God hits you and breaks your chains and opens your doors, you stand dumbfounded in his presence going, what just happened? What just happened to me? How did I get here? The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he escorted them out and said, Sirs. Suddenly, they, first they were prisoners. Now they're sirs. Mm. How many of those God can change an environment quickly? What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Now you have to understand before Paul and Silas came to this region, they had of the Holy Spirit wanted to go to Asia and two or three other places, and the Holy Spirit told them no. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit. You don't just rush in. You're led in. Come on. I know the gospel won't, turn revo uh, won't return void. I understand that. But if we're going to be kingdom-minded people and we're going to do the same acts as the disciples, then we got to start listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, not just running in with our knowledge. We run in by the Spirit of God. Then we spew our knowledge that we know of him. They've already been told that not to go into these places, and Paul has a dream in the night, and in the, in the night he has a dream of a man in Macedonia saying, hey, come over here, help us. Come over here and help us. This is what brought them to the region. So far, it doesn't say there was any fruit in their ministry. They've just been trying to minister, and this demon has been tracking them for days. This demon has been running around going, Ooh, look at these mighty men of God. Look at these mighty men. Woo! Come on, you know how the devil does? They think they're something. 
Well, anytime darkness <laughs> sees the light, it wants to squelch it. It wants to kill it. It wants to aggravate it. It wants to run it out of the region. And so this spirit and this woman is chasing them around. Finally, Paul says, get out of her. Out it came. It messed up everything. Now they find themselves in this horrible position. But just as soon as everything is bleak and torn up, the man who was calling in the dream is now standing before them going, Sirs, what? What? What do I do that I might be saved? Nothing says that they preached the gospel to him. He rushed in and saw what happened and goes, well, I'm undone. I got to find their God. I've got to know their God. When God works in suddenlies around your life, you'll not find it hard to lead people to Jesus. Oh, come on. If you don't believe this, act like you do. Look at this. So... (laughs) That's right. Then they spoke the message of the Lord to him along with everyone in the house. He asked to get saved, then then they preach. The door's open. The altar call is ready. The message is spoken. The, The message of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour that night and washed their wounds. And right away, he and all of his family were baptized. He brought them into the house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had believed God with his entire household. If we go on, it says the next day the magistrates released Paul and Silas. Hmm. 2020 is one of the most confusing, perplexing years that I've ever encountered in my life. And I know I'm not alone in this room, nor those of you who are watching. It's been a confusing time for both the world and the church. But I'm also reminded of Matthew, the 25th chapter, where God says at the midnight hour, the cry came, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready. 30 years ago, I shared this with you last year, but 30 years ago, I was given a vision by a lady that had to do with our ministry. She had a night vision dream. And when the, when the vision was given to us, it could have been interpreted at that time that it was time for me to arise and to start a church and to lead a people who were wounded from spiritual wounding in the church they were in. Could have been interpreted that way. But I am smart enough to know, Pastor Jerry, that when you serve a man of God, you don't raise up in rebellion under a man of God. You serve the man of God even if through his flaws. You stay behind him. You help him. If there's sin in his life, you point it out, and you stay with him, and you be faithful. And so we reject the voices around us that we're saying to Go build a church. Go start something, and we'll follow you. That happened to us twice. 
through the years while we served another man. If you'll start a church, we'll go be with you. Both times we rejected that. And then one day, suddenly the Lord opened the doors and we couldn't run fast enough to get through the doors that God had for us in ministry. I put that word that I got those several years ago on a shelf and let it lay on the shelf. I shared it with you last week. I won't go into great detail, but for those of you who are watching and didn't hear it, it was, everybody knows I'm all about country and cowboys and all that good stuff. And so the Lord, when he speaks, sometimes he'll use that kind of imagery that is around your life. And it was Pastor Colleen in a covered wagon. Emmanuel was in the back, our oldest son, Emmanuel. He was in the back of that wagon. He was looking at a large city behind him and a large ministry behind him. And he, he was looking back like this is over. Pastor Colleen had two children with her, which really didn't have, we're not sure who the identity of those were. I'm thinking maybe now it may be Austin. Maybe someday Miss Kell, I don't know. Don't know. But she was tending to babies. And if you knew her at that time, boy, did that imagery fit. And I was standing in front of the covered wagon, the horse that was pulling the covered wagon, his head was down, the reins were loose, and I was standing there with with my head down, and around the covered wagon, there were all kinds of marauders, and of course, you know what that imagery is. There were snakes and scorpions and all kinds of dangers all crawling towards the wagon, and... Obviously, in that, I was supposed to grab the reins and get the wagon out of danger. Standing there in that situation just ahead of me and the covered wagon and all the imagery was a deep, not just a storm, but a deep, deep, dark storm. It's taken 30 years for that word to make sense. It's taken 30 years for me to get the understanding that, that this was for this appointed time, not that appointed time. I knew it was of God. I, it, my spirit was witness to it from the moment I got it. It was a reliable source who gave the dream to us. I knew she wouldn't just do that. It really had to come from God for her to even present it to us. But today I'm getting an understanding of that 30-year-old prophetic dream. As many of you know, my son is, our oldest son, Emmanuel, is leaving a large city and a large ministry, making his way back to Kansas City. Mama Colleen wants to jump up and dance right now because her grandbabies are coming home to this region. And they're going to be launching a work in Kansas City. And we stand behind that and we support that. And we're excited about that. In the day and age in which we're living right now, there's never been a storm around the church like there's a storm around the church in America today. 
The church in many nations around the world know what persecution is, but in America, we've not experienced it as such. We were established on the Judeo-Christian biblical principles, and so our constitution and everything about our makeup was centered around us having the right and the freedoms to worship. And never has that been threatened before like it's being threatened now. And I was amazed at how quickly the enemy tried to seize control in our nation over the church in the last three or four months. Who can say amen to that? How many of you have been shocked by some of the things that have been mandated and brought about? Aren't you glad for the handful of people with some common sense who are not allowing those things to happen. But one of the things and the reasons why I think in that situation that my head was down was nobody wants to face a storm. Nobody wants to purposely charge into trouble. Nobody wants to purposely get themselves in a fight. Well, maybe there may be some. Anthony used to like to get beat up a lot. (laughs) But now I see on the horizon what God was talking about. Can I have your attention for just a moment? Church, we're going to have to contend for the faith. I'm not saying things won't get get better. I I believe they will. I really do. But how dark will the storm be before we turn that corner? Pastor Colleen asked me to say that again. Church, I believe that we're going to have to contend for the faith. I believe there's going to be moments that your church body will be your survival in this world. This is why the enemy wants to scatter it. The enemy didn't have any problem with us having sidewalk church, and it was fun. Honk, 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 right? It was fun. I preached my tonsils till they were laying on the floor, but it was fun. But the intention is to break apart the family unit. We're a body that is fitly joined together. I don't know how much time I've been going. i got to watch my time. We're a body that is fitly joined together. That means I need you. You need me. We need each other because we all add something to the body that, that none of us individually have. But together, collectively, we make up something that's mighty and powerful, and strong, and soothing, and healing. The enemy wants to break this up because if he breaks this up, who's going to evangelize? You know, there there are no para-church ministries. If there are, they really shouldn't be. They should be underneath a covering a man of God, a mantle, an apostolic call, and they should be hooked somewhere to a local body. Somewhere. 
If you sever an arm, it's no good by itself. It needs the brain to tell it what to do. It needs the muscles attached and the ligaments attached so it can function. And what the enemy wants to do is come and dismember the body. Man, I know that's not the greatest imagery. But he wants to dismember the body, dismantle us. Why? So he can steal our joy, our power, our victory, our word, our wisdom. And he's done it. Church Universal, he's done it. Twenty years ago, Wednesday night, Sunday night, Sunday morning. You didn't. Now you're lucky you get a Sunday morning full. He's dismantled it. Yeah, and he's trying to further that. I, I don't want to get into political uh, arenas, and I don't want to scald the cat. But let me just say this: When the Church of Jesus Christ began to let society get away with a little here and a little there and didn't have a voice, we abdicated our rights in some ways that got us into the trouble that we're in today. Is that too harsh? And a few years ago, when I was active in the church serving a man of God, we started letting in the seeker-friendly move where it was more about the seeker than it was the God of the house. Make them comfortable, they'll come to church because we were interested in nickels and noses. And all we did was weaken the body of Christ to now it is so divided that a large portion, in fact, the Matthew, the 25th chapter, says just divide it right down the middle. A large portion of the church will allow anything, anything goes. As long as you want to use the name of Jesus, he's peaceful, and he won't correct you. He understands. Jesus understands. Am I being too hard? He understands. He understands. Evidently, they haven't read the Bible the way you and I have, because how many remember the Jesus who methodically stood off to the side and created a whip? And while creating a whip in his mind the whole time, he had the idea, I'm going to go in and whip some folk. And did he go to the world and scald the world? He went into the church and cleaned house. He went into the church and kicked over tables and knocked over stuff and said, not in the house of God. This is a house of prayer. This is where the body communes with God. This is where we come together in the fullness of the expression. Oh, they, they, they don't understand Jesus' mercy. Jesus is merciful to the sinner. Yes, but he's not tolerant to the sin. He kicks over those tables. He will cause a riot in the middle of your party if he needs to. 
Pastor Colleen and I are in one of the cra- craziest times of our life right now is that many of you know we sold our home. Some people came and approached us and said, we want to buy your home because they pastor in our town. And we said, yeah, okay. Sure, why not? Don't ever do that unless you've studied the market and know what the market's doing. Because we sold our house and found out it's going to cost a lot more to replace what we already have. Not only that, but is Miss Marilyn in the house? Oh, bless her, Lord. Because we have ran that poor lady from, from Gallatin to Kearney to, to every little town in between and Cameron. Of course, we've, we've, we've looked at every piece of property in Cameron and some of them twice. And every time we get ready to do something, <laughs> it's sold before we get there. And so this week we're down to packing you think we would have had it all done, right, 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 right? So this week we pack and we move. Somewhere. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. We might, if, if, you, if you happen to see clothes hanging out of the windows upstairs drying, Don't, don't go on the backside. That'll be my underwear hanging out those windows. Come up here. <laughs> I got to quit. I got to quit. I said all that to say we're personally in one of the most, um, yeah, thank you, trust-testing times in our life. We know God told it. We know God did this. We know God orchestrated the sale. We just didn't know he was going to be like Abraham and say, follow me. I'll show you when you get there. And ladies, you understand. You're security-minded. You want to know where you're going, right? Pastor Colleen has really been struggling. She's doing pretty good today, but she's really been struggling. I didn't see you before church. Was you struggling? Robin prayed with you. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. She's been struggling because she's security-minded. I'm a guy. I can sleep in the back of the car if I got to, right? Um, but ladies, you know, and I want her to have finer things. But I said all that to say that it's a little bit like where the church is right now. We don't quite know where this ends. Yes, we, we know Revelation, but what is this storm that's just ahead of us? What is it that we're going to do in the middle of all of this? What happens when persecution begins to land at our door greater than it ever has before in America? Will the church fold? Or will the church stand up in the time of testing, even if we're abused, even if we're mocked, even if we're maligned, even if we are arrested? I've already made the statement that I'll never close the church doors again. Guess what makes where that puts me? 
if this ever rolls back around, guess where that puts me? And here's my question in all of it today, and I'll get to the point. I'll get you out of here because it's warm. I don't know about you, but I'm cooking. Will we still, if we're persecuted, have a song in the midnight hour? Will we still be able to praise him when it's all going backwards and upside down, topsy-turvy? When the storm is outside our door, are we still going to be magnifying him and glorifying him and praising him and letting him know he is worthy? When we've been abused unrighteously, will we want to fight back and strike back in rebellion? Or will we submit ourselves to God in the midnight hour and say, Lord, I don't understand it but there's no God like you. There's no God like you. There's no God like you. When something happens in your life unexpected and it messes with you and it stirs to the very core of who you are and it causes you to be just a little bit unstable and you don't quite know what to do with you, will you fall apart or will you raise your hands and say, whatever you desire, God, I trust you with my life. I trust you. My security is all out of whack, and I don't, can't find it, but I trust you. Austin, if you'd come. I trust you. If you want to be standing at the end of this trying year, breathing in wisdom, and you intend to stand the test of time and to face the dark clouds that are coming, if you intend when the smoke all clears to still be tethered to your God, if you believe that in the middle of your disturbance, God can use it for his glory to reach someone else who also finds themselves in a place of perplexity. It's important, ladies and gentlemen, that we do not lose our song, our praise. Because like this jailer who wasn't looking for God, he found him. Because Paul and Silas could manage to raise a praise in their beaten, torn condition. Not only was that man saved, but his whole household was saved. When God calls us on assignment, he doesn't promise us there's not a cost. And many of us are going to be shipped out of this place from one place to another, preaching the gospel, going and doing evangelistic things. But I want you to understand there's a cost. The enemy is not going to let you just 
haphazardly, sweetly, kindly walk onto his territory and invade his darkness without kickback. Paul and Silas went into that region with the best intentions in their heart and found themselves an enemy of the state. And ladies and gentlemen, we're in a situation right now in America where we, the church of Jesus Christ, the true remnant, not the compromising church, the true remnant, we might very well find ourselves in the middle of the storm in the days ahead. This is not a message of fear. This is a message of hope. That in the middle of my storm, in the middle of abuse, in the middle of my persecution, God is there. And in the middle of my suffering, someone else will come to know him. What I love about this story is not only was Paul and Silas' chains broken, Every person in the prison's chains were broken. Some of those sexual perverts, their chains broke in the midnight hour. Some of those thieves who would steal you blind in the midnight hour, stood dazed. I'm free. The prison doors swinging open represents to me the judgment against you has been forgotten. You're placed behind bars and doors because you're guilty. Doors open to you when you've been freed. Murderers on that day, chains were broken. Abusers, cheaters, people who were ungodly in so many ways stood there that day going, there is a God. There is a God. I've come to give you this one last thought. It's this. There's a reason for the storm. Instead of fearing tomorrow, I'm going to look to tomorrow with great anticipation that if the sky gets darker... If the government clamps down more, if things get more difficult, I've got a God in the middle of it all who can still help me to reach a soul, who can still help me fulfill my call, who can still help me stand at the end of it all. I've got a God who's worth singing about. I've got a God worth worshiping. I've got a God who breaks chains and opens prison doors and sets captive people free. I've got a God I've got a God and he deserves my obedience would you stand thank you father Woo! praise his name I probably did this all backwards would somebody move this for me real quick now I'm going to really mess you up 
since I did it backwards. If you want to know that you still have a song and you're keeping your song, if you want to make the declaration today to your God that I will keep my song in the middle of the storm, I don't care what's designed against me. I don't care what comes against me or causes trouble for me. I don't care how bad it riddles my stuff and my life. I will keep my song. If you want to make that declaration to God, I want you to just come and line up across the front here and raise your hands and begin to tell your God that I am in this for the long haul. I'm going to go all the way with you, Father. I'm going all the way, all the way with you. I'm going to be with you, Father. I'm committing my heart, my life to you. If you're watching right now on camera, I'm here to tell you, listen to me. Raise your hands right where you are and make this declaration. Let let God know he is your God. Let God know I'm not letting anything tear me apart. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to stay with you even in the midnight hour. Even if I'm chained up to a wall somewhere in a prison, I'm going to keep serving you. I'm going to keep magnifying you. I'm going to keep glorifying you. I'm going to keep singing the songs of Zion. I'm going to sing your praise to a world that's unsuspecting so that they can find you as I have. Father, I thank you for the suddenlies and for these, Father, who are here with their hands raised and those, Father, who can't even find room to get in up here. Father, I just pray for them right now with our hands raised. If you can't get up here, just raise your hands where you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each and every one of these as we make it known to the world, as we make it known to the underworld, as we make it known to the spirits of darkness, we're here and we're here in the light of Jesus Christ. And we will continue to magnify him, glorify him, praise him, give him our best, and live for him, and share his word, and share our faith with our world around us. For as long as there is breath in our lungs, we will not give up the faith, and we will not give up the fight. We are the remnant church of Jesus Christ. If you have said that, give the Lord a hand clap and let him know that you love him and appreciate him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.